Thanks for listening to the Drummer's Weekly Groovecast. You can contact the show at twitter.com forward slash dwgroovecast and through Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Drummer's Weekly Groovecast. Good evening. I am warning you right now, if you touch my drums, I will stab you in the neck with a knife. Ain't a fucking. We get straight now? No, we had a problem. I mean, uh, we tried to do everything we could. What do you mean? Well, you know what I mean. Nice! Little trouble there. You're rushing. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, buddy. What Back have, to bringing the property value down. What What have you been up to lately? And I mean, like in the last 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> man, I just watched some Don't daytime lie. television. Don't lie. That's it. Don't lie, man. Fixed, fixed a bagel. And some Had some tea. coffee, some mm-hmm. tea. Look, if I have to hold your feet to the fire on what I know you've been doing. You're probably going to have to. John's been practicing. Dang it. Shut your pie hole. <laughs> no. This isn't... I feel like the wizard right now. I'm getting exposed. The curtain has been... Well, let me say this. Were you? Did you actually practice with sticks in hand, or was it more of what I like to call mental practice? No, I... <laughs> Put them in, in, it, I actually pr- pr- pra- practiced legitimately. Oh, God, that was painful. On real live drums or practice pads? Real live drums. Real live drums. Yeah. I'm proud of you, man. I mean, they might have had like those pads on them or something. but Dude, me and the and listenership body as a whole, we appreciate that. Lower your expectations for the future, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what are you working on? Man, you know, I've been doing these tributes to iconic drummer shows. That's what they say. And like an idiot, I uh, booked a bunch of monsters and then decided I was going to play and regretted that decision ever since, but... It's going to happen. So I'm not doing anything out of my wheelhouse, but just wanted to brush up on having it together. Well, at least tell us what you worked on. I just worked on some pop tunes I'm playing. John Robinson is who we're doing uh, uh, the tribute to. And uh, it... It doesn't matter well, what why, I'm playing. No, just, why are you holding back, man? That's all I want to know. Because everybody's going to be like, those songs are so freaking easy. See, that's what you always think. And that's not the case it, at all. Man. It's not. That's and, not and the I, case at all. I, I, You know, I'm I'm not a real detail guy when it comes to drum parts. I don't believe that. I've always been a vibe all. guy. Uh, no, well, I mean, in general. Yeah. Like, if I go play a, a gig, just... Someone calls me out of the blue. Man, I need you to help me out tonight. If I go play that, 
I, I don't have a lot of like the just the stone cold details done. I get the I'm I'm a I get the vibe of songs, and usually they come out pretty well, and you've heard them enough, you get through them. But uh, I kind of feel with this, like. Like some of these guys are so good, I'm like telling them, like, do your thing. You know, show respect to the song, show respect to the groove and the part. But if you want to open up a little bit, whatever. And for me, it's more like, you know, I need to sit down and really, I'm not going to play any solos or anything. So I'm going to have this detail together. And it's it's a different for me. I'm not kidding you. I'm not a detail guy. You think I'm... John, I here's the thing. I, I talk about pulling the curtain back and exposing the wizard. Here's the thing. You are a detail guy, but here's what here's more of what you are. What you really are is you it, you put it forth out to the world that hey, I'm not a detail guy, so that people don't get their expectations up, and then you. Yeah. You uh, come uh, to the gig and then you blow it out of the water doing a great job and everybody goes, Hey, oh man, I didn't really expect that. No, that's so not your my whole the, your whole thing is like don't set a goal, therefore I, if if I don't hit it, you won't be All right. I, I, I'm gonna put a challenge to you. Okay. I want you to go beg Mike Veal to do okay. a Wednesday night. All right. And they're gonna throw a bunch of crap you've never heard at you. Mm-hmm. And then come back and tell me you're a detail guy. That's what I'm getting at, man. I'm like, I just am not. I, I, I look. You, you, you just, you just made the ultimate straw man argument, right? Whatever, now. man. Okay, look, I'm an absolute <laughs> mother on the drums. I will burn everybody to the ground. I got it so together that I don't even know why these other guys are showing up. See, but John, you happy? Okay, no, because here's the here's the next thing. All right, you had the perfect example you're just doing this to get emails going finally called that bastard no 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 Mm -hmm. here's the thing the thing you hadn't even told anybody what one of the songs is that that you're playing and i'm just going to use this one as an example all right but if if, and and, and i know why it's it's not the one that i sent you the chart on okay good yeah 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 it's not not that one at all it's the other one it's because here's the thing all right it's an iconic John Robinson tune that has one of, I'm going to say, the top 10 iconic intro (laughs) drum fills in the history. Which clearly I'm going to screw up now thanks to my podcast It's You're not at all. But see, that's the whole thing is just tell, and you're going to go in there and you're going to play the crap out of it. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Because I practiced. And I paid attention to detail, there, there unlike I normally do. There you, and you don't even have to buy that symbol that has the actual lick written out on it. Yeah, that's a good point. See? I, I know it well enough I don't need that symbol. There you go. Look, man. This curtain is not for you to touch. Don't even look at it again, okay? Don't pull that spinal tap crap Don't on even me. look at it. Don't point at it. No, don't even look at that curtain. That's my <laughs> curtain. <laughs> Look, man, honestly, um, this show, uh, I mean, it's crazy who participates in these shows. I mean, the the lineups are mind-numbing. And anybody, including the monsters I'm getting, if they tell you they're not a little bit sitting up on the other chair and paying a little more attention, they're lying. Because the best of the best is coming ready to blow it out because you just what are you gonna do like 
the best musicians in the city is going to stand there and embarrass yourself? Nope. It's a good point. So I love that I've created that and forcing other people to be detail oriented. (laughs) (laughs) Bam. No, I think, I think it's, I think it's an amiable thing. I just, you just need to, dude, stand like Arlie Ermey would say, stand up and have some confidence. Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing songs I'm confident in. So it's all good. I just have so much other crap going on with this show. The first show I did, Playing was so far from my yeah. mind. When I got up and halfway through the song, I'm like, oh, crap, do I know this? So, you know. <laughs> well, anytime you book any kind of a gig, I don't care what kind of a gig it is, the easiest part's the playing. Hands well, down. Yeah, but the funny thing is, just as simple as the tunes I played last time, there was one where I'm kind of like, in the middle of the song, I'm like, where are we? Because I, I had so much nonsense going on. I know what you're talking about, and nobody know. I didn't notice until you, until you even said something about well, it. Well, that's all good. But but nonetheless, my point is, yeah, you know, you're just so ragged and all this. It's a big undertaking, and I love it. I absolutely love it. That's no complaint. So uh, I'm a detail guy when it comes to that. Yeah. So now that we've talked about this, mm-hmm. and this is actually going to be happening the night that this podcast comes up why don't you tell these folks exactly where it's at again uh we're doing this it's a tribute to john robinson and we're doing it at the vista room in decatur georgia uh it's gonna be doors at 7 30 because we do a big hang prior where we all mingle and everything because it's literally 90 percent musicians incredible and uh we're gonna start the show about 8 30 this time just a little earlier to get some people home Ten bucks, which is probably the best bargain in town. These shows are are really, really inspiring, and the, the level of musicianship and the, the people that are playing are worthy of way more. And I, I wish I could do that, but this is a this shows more about goodwill and fellowship than it is about making money. So come on, if you're here in town, man, you got to come to this. And you ask anybody who's been, they're going to tell you you're crazy if you don't go. It's just something magic about them. You know, we've talked about it numerous times on here. Yeah. A, a lot of times the hangs are significantly longer than the shows because nobody wants to leave. Incredible. I love that. I lo- absolutely love it. So tonight. <laughs> yeah. Tonight, 8.30 at the Vista Room. Come early. Buy Stay drinks late. and eat food and support Sean Keenan, who's been incredible. He's he's a, a club owner that is so accommodating. It blows my mind. I'm like waiting for something to to happen. Like, wait, what? This is too good to be true. Anyway, see you guys there. Right on. Thanks, Phil. Well, I waited a little while to talk about this gentleman that we lost recently, in particular because I know you have a personal connection to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we lost uh, Roy Burns, which we talked a little bit about on the previous show, but we also lost one of the great R&B, funk, and, and jazz drummers, too. A lot of people don't realize that. Yep. We know about it because we've seen him do his thing down there. But a uh, longtime resident of the panhandle of Florida, we lost uh, Jabbo Starks. And I wanted to get John on the show because he does have a connection directly to Jabbo and uh, has probably a couple little charming anecdotes that he would like to say about him. 
Um, man, look, first and foremost, I mean, there's not a more beautiful cat on the planet. He he just really, really was a fantastic, warm, and loving person. And you, you feel it the minute you meet him, and you hear it in his playing, and you see it when he's interacting with people. Just a really special guy. Uh, I don't know him very well, uh, but... My connection is my sister-in-law was the bar manager at the Red Bar where he did this house gig for mm-hmm. years. I mean, for years. And uh, she and, and Jabbo are like best of friends, really, really pretty inseparable. And I know it's a difficult time for Laura um, because they were, That's we use that term loosely, but they were really, really close friends. And my wife actually used to work there as well and she would sing with the band. So she knew John uh, very well, and that's how I met him. Um, and I just, uh, I just, I just think back to the imprint he had. You know what I mean? As far as samples go, mm-hmm. you know, he and Clyde, like in the, in the, in the modern music, approach you know these guys are pretty much just relived a second renaissance career if you will if if they're given credit but uh man this guy we saw him at this mm-hmm. they'd rip out standards he'd sing play some gut bucket blues and it would just be amazing and then they'd do some slick ass r&b and it would just be this guy was amazing man at 75, he was burning it to the ground. You know, he's yeah. 79, I think, when he passed. But it's been I, three or four years since I saw him. I saw him twice down at the Red Bar. And I think it's also kind of important to realize, if for folks who have never been down there, that the Red Bar is a tiny little place right on the beach. It's in Rosemary Beach. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. And you could have a table. Oh, actually in Grayton Beach. Or Grayton Beach, Sorry. right. It's your table could literally be right right on top of him that's how close you know the the band was in this little house type thing that they called a restaurant down there so yeah you got a if you got a chance to see him down there you could literally be sitting right next to one of the greats like yeah there were couches like in front of his drum set yeah like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was amazing i loved every minute of it i actually had uh there was a not too long ago when he first started really getting sick um i i talked with the guitar player and i was looked like i was going to go down and play some down there and mm-hmm. i always thought like man i'd love to pick that gig up you know my wife's from that area um so i'm gonna i'm gonna lobby no I'm kidding. <laughs> no i just like i wish i could have gone down and played in, in his in his chair that would have been a real honor yeah. But yeah. nonetheless, man, a fantastic person. There's no one on the planet that has met him that will say anything different. Yeah, I had the chance to meet him one time there just when he went on a break, and he was just as gracious as you could ever want to be. Incredible. So we're going to miss him. And uh, I always took for granted I could go see him. Yeah. That's kind of a drag. Mm-hmm. I should have done it more. The, the first time I saw him down there was at least 11, 12 years ago. Do you know how long he actually had that gig? 
Man, I want to say up more than 20. Yeah. Good little retirement job, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. He lives in Mobile. He lived in Mobile. He'd come over and the, the owners of that bar were smart enough to know what they had. And they had an apartment for him and he'd be there for his four days or whatever. I think mm-hmm. he'd do. For a long time, they did Wednesday through Saturday, I think. Yeah. And uh, hooked him up, you know, fed him. But uh, he still worked. Yeah. A, a lot, like like kind of a day job even sometimes. Uh, now, I was not aware of that. Yeah, there was there was times when he, uh, maybe when he started, he was doing something where he'd go back and, you know, the other three days he'd be working. Like just Yeah. Man, it's a different generation, a different mindset. You know, and who knows, you know, I never talked to him about financially how he did. Played till he was 80. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he probably wasn't, probably didn't get what he should have. Yeah. But, uh, man, I mean, that, that speaks volumes to who you are as a person, too. Just work ethic second to none. So. Yeah. And the other thing I love, too, man, is he had a nice career before James. A lot of people don't know that. He played with Bobby Bland mm-hmm. and a few other pretty big names. Well, R.I.P. Jabbo. Yeah. And while we're celebrating him, one quick thing I want to do before we get into our topic of the day, where we're going to celebrate a literal living legend, is I want to celebrate our listeners. Uh, we, we like to poke fun at you folks from time to time, but one thing in particular that we haven't talked about in a long time, and it's just, it's, really been a graphic example and literally I'll tell you what I mean by that I sent John a little chart the other day of our listenership over the last few quarters and it's just it's literally just a stair step of a of a bar chart just going straight up we want to thank everyone who tunes in and listens every single week we know we have a lot of people who subscribe and tell us that the you know that's the first thing they do on Monday morning is they listen to the show and uh, we really, really appreciate it. We really do. John and I, when we started doing this thing almost two years ago, we're coming up on 100 episodes. We were like, yeah, it'll be fun. We'll end up having 14 listeners every week. Ha, 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 you know, and all this other stuff. And uh, it's just, it's ridiculous how how many listeners, regular listeners we have every single week. And also, we want to thank you guys for um, all the reviews in particular that have popped up over this last probably just three or four months uh, that we have really gotten a lot of nice iTunes reviews. We appreciate that. And I think that in itself is no small part in us having the explosion of listeners over the last few months. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you no guys doubt. very much. I know I speak for Phil when I say we do not take it for granted No, that people are investing in, in the show and um, that – it really means a lot because, you know, we're just talking about what we love. Yeah. And we've been doing this for 20 years, so it's. I'm glad some other people can chime in and listen in. It's pretty cool. John, when was the first time you heard Roy Haynes? Probably uh, late in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say... Me, Maybe right in the middle of high school, I really started getting into bebop pretty pretty seriously. And, of course, Parker was. Yeah. You know, you just mind blown. You by better Parker, start no there, what. yeah, if you're going to listen to Bob. For a million reasons. 
And, um, you know, I heard a number of songs, you know, tunes and records that uh, Roy played on early back in the day. You know, there was mm-hmm. a few iconic records he played with Bird. And I remember being like, oh, you know, like like we talked about earlier, you couldn't really hear it that well and everything, but it just swung really hard. And that name was in my mm-hmm. in my head. You know, I kind of graduated to Max and right and uh you know uh, a few of the other the the other guys were recordings were a little cleaner and all that and then kind of revisited Roy a little bit um and I, I probably not as invested in him as you are but the first time I heard him I was probably 16 or so and not the Parker records but a few other things I explored the first, the thing that stood out the most to me was his sound Ooh. I mean, he's playing. It's just a given. It's insanely good, but he has a sound. I, I want to talk to you about that mm-hmm. bef- b- before we start listening to our tracks. Okay, there's something in particular about the drum sounds mm-hmm. that it's so uniquely Haynes. You know, it's him right away. Instantly, you know that it's him. And everybody talks about the snare drum, but I could also say the same thing about the toms. Mm-hmm. Is well, there's something about it. But the first time that I heard Roy, uh, I it was uh, the fall of 86 this starts this sounds like a love story doesn't it <laughs> but it kind of is but my teacher who I, I, you guys have heard me talk about many times my mentor keith brown was the person that first hit me to elvin jones and also hit me to roy haynes and you know as a kid when you come up through high school and stuff of course you see like roy haynes and modern drummer and stuff like that but if you didn't have access back in the 80s to these sides and these recordings you just knew of him as this legendary person that was in magazines right and you didn't really know what it was about well this teacher keith brown he was massively influenced by Roy, probably as much or more than anybody else. I've heard him say before he was one of his favorite players ever, right? And so Keith, on uh, one of his pilgrimages to a used record store, picked up a used copy of uh, the old Oliver Nelson classic, Blues and the Abstract Truth, right? And that's one of those that... As John and I were talking about when we did this show, nobody needs to talk about this. On everybody, you need to know that that's one of the hits. You need to know that, and you need to know the the uh, Chick Corea. Now he sings, now he sobs. That's the ultimate Roy, right? On both of those, agreed. Right, and so Keith bought me a copy of Blues and the Abstract Tooth, and immediately, you know, I mean, Roy plays. He's he's very much the, just the timekeeper, timekeeper, and the accompanist on that. But he sounds like a million bucks, and that's ultimate Roy Haynes. And then the second recording was the one that I was mentioning before is Now He Sings, Now He Sobs, Chick Corea. Uh, You're not my friend if you don't know that record. I mean, that's one of the top recordings in the history of music. And so that was the second time that I got really acquainted with we'll call that also the modern Roy Haynes the flat ride version of Roy Haynes you know to where man that's I mean you could put that on the island of uh must have jazz records in the top five probably yeah I mean it's the modern jazz piano trio record that's where it kind of started I suppose and so that's how I got to know him and then 
before we start talking about the tracks and start talking about his sound and whatnot, look, there's a million different places that I want you guys to do your drumming anthropology. Go out there and find a little bit about Roy. We all know that Roy's originally from from Boston, and he is, you know, still with us. He's 93 years old. He still does the occasional pop in and plays gig every now and then. He's still doing it. He's still just as lucid and sharp as attack as ever. Um, and he literally is, if you think about it, our last living link to a guy who played with Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, Monk, Coltrane, Sarah Vaughn. I I, I mean, come on. Um, Yeah, the... It's it's mind blowing. Like literally, everybody who matters. He's in played shaping with him. of jazz. He played with. He played with him, and I mean, just just I wrote down just a few others. Okay, he also played with Bud Powell, Sonny Rollins, Sonny Stitt, Eric Dolphy, Lee Konitz, Oliver Nelson, Chickory, Stan Getz, McCoy Tyner, Gary Burton, Matheny. I mean. And then think about also in the different groups that he led, how many of the young musicians that now have their own thing mm-hmm. that he brought into the group. So it it, it is uh, it's fun. I'm so glad you reminded me of how important his legacy is, but also the fact that he's still here. Someone he's is still, still here, here that played with those that guys. Did that. I mean, that is mind-blowing, man. Let's talk about that sound now. What? He's got that super characteristic snare sound. Mm -hmm. You know, and he even has the nickname Snap Crackle, right? So, I mean, that that tells you a lot. But the other thing, and pardon the the analogy I'm going to make here, but there's a, a sound of his toms that the best way that I can describe it is it sounds like he's the, they, the toms sound a little rubbery. He's got It sounds like he's got kind of tighter batter heads, looser resonant heads, and the tom heads, they sound like Ludwig heads for some reason. To Ludwig me. heads? Ludwig heads. They probably are. He played Ludwig for a long time. Do, do you know what I mean, though, John? I sure those, They sound like... Ludwig heads where the batters are are tuned tighter and the rezo's a little looser. That's the best way I can describe it, man. To me, well, I mean, what what are you thinking, man? Because I know you know that sound as well. Tom Wise, I, I think that's a pretty good idea there. I mean, when you say Ludwig heads, but some people are probably like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the coated. Yeah, to mm-hmm. me, those heads are thicker. Even mm-hmm. though they're one ply, they're thicker. Right. So, so there is a there's a little more. There's a little different attack. It's a little rubbery, is how I like to call uh, it. Rubbery, and there's a little bit different attack to it for sure. And the response is a little different as well. But uh, sound wise, it, it's uh, it's a little more contained in of itself. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting sound, but you know he played those, those drums for a long time, so maybe that's could be exactly where he's coming from. Yeah, he he's kind of spanned the gamut on on gear. He was Gretsch for a long time, and then yeah. Ludwig, and then man, he's probably been playing Yamaha for the last thirty 
35 years, hadn't he? Yeah, I want to say he and Elvin kind of went on right at the same time. Yeah. Went with the Omaha. It seems like 80s maybe, yeah. early 80s. Yeah. But even well, – even, Well, actually, Elvin was playing Tama for a while in that period. Like late 70s, I think, is when Elvin got on the Tama bandwagon. Yeah. But even when I hear Roy and I hear back when I know that he was playing Gretsch, and when I know he was playing Ludwig, and I know when he was playing Yamaha, mm-hmm. he still had that sound, you know, that still that same sound. Yeah, clearly yeah, he's going for that. And, you know, again, man, it's 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 in his touch, too. There's a lot, a lot. A- absolutely. Especially the snare drum. There. Yeah. You know, we we just say, oh, it's tuned up or whatever. It's like, no, it's no. way beyond that. Yeah. Well, that's one of the when we when we listen to one of your tracks, and we know who the famous quartet is. Mm-hmm. In the first measure, you know it's not the drummer from that famous quartet. You know it's Roy Haynes. Mm-hmm. It's instantaneous that you know it, and it's because of that snare drum sound. It's because yep. of that. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It. it I I love that probably more in jazz drummers than any anywhere else that that sound that got certain guys have you know right away and he's at the top of the heap with that he is and you know he he played of course on that Chick Corea now he sings now he sobs record and he used that famous Piesty flat ride that supposedly Chick still has um, and really from that time on he used a flat ride a lot from that time on there's a lot of recording a lot of the modern recordings that he did anywhere from the 70s 80s up until the last few years seems like he always had a flat ride on the kit because he could he's cause he could you know so john you want to listen to some tunes now yeah okay and as always folks just one more time when we do these shows, of course, when you have somebody that has a catalog like Roy Haynes, we're not going to get to all these, oh, my gosh, it's a classic. Of course, we know they're classics. John and I have limited ourselves to four tracks apiece, and the only real guidelines that we had is I just said, John, let's not do anything from Now He Sings, Now He Sobs, or Rhythm and Rhythm, or Blues and the Abstract to Truth, because everybody should know those. Again, you're not my friend if you don't have those records, if you don't know them. So I'm going to go first, and... I'm going to go in chronological order of my picks. And I want to talk about this first track. I discovered it uh, when I was living in Memphis for a few years. I used to go to the Memphis Public Library, and they have a tremendous selection of vinyl uh, that you could check out. That was one thing they really had, man. They had a tremendous recording uh, library. And... One of the things that they also did very well was they did a good job of cataloging great Memphis musicians. And a piano player from Memphis that sometimes I don't think gets the due, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves, is Phineas Newborn. And yes, Memphis people, I know that a lot of people call him Finus. I was corrected many times by guys I used to work with over there and I would talk about man do you know about this Phineas Newborn blah 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 and he goes Finus he liked to be called Finus so Finus Newborn Finest yes Finest exactly and I checked out 
this record, and it's it's actually it's a trio record that Roy pseudo led, and it's called We Three, and it was a uh, a trio that Roy had together for a relatively short short period of time. That's my understanding. They used to play Monday nights at the Village Vanguard back in the late 50s, and they did that for a while, and they just thought, well, you know, this thing's working out pretty good. Why don't we do a record? And by the way, the third member of that trio is this up-and-comer named Paul Chambers. Oh, that guy. Yeah. And so this trio was very much a trio of its time. This is a 1958 recording, so it's a post-bop piano trio, but it has a lot of modern sensibilities about it. And, of course, when you hear this, you're going to hear a lot of Roy trademarks in there. Um, and the track that I picked is one called Sneaking Around. And, again, this is from the We Three uh, album from 1958 featuring Phineas Newborn and Paul Chambers. So let's give a listen to this. And what you're going to hear, you're going to hear the intro, then you're going to hear a crossfade that's going to go into a section at the end of the tune where he plays some fours. And, again, you're going to hear some great Roy Haynes uh, licks and vocabulary. So this is sneaking around. Pretty good little start to the show. Oh. Yeah, I mean, All right. ha- I'm gonna go take a nap now. Right, right from that intro, you heard that prototypical Roy Haynes sound. Mm-hmm. Right, you heard that that snap, crackling, high pitched snare drum. You heard those as I like to call them rubbery toms. Yep. <laughs> you know, and this again is a great example of Roy in that late fifties post bop kind of thing where he's doing. Very traditional playing, really traditional playing with some sort of light comping, feathering the bass drum all the way through. And then when he got got to that four section, boy, there you go. Typical Roy Haynes vocabulary. How many times have you heard him do that little hi-hat bark thing? Yep. You know, a few times. Those little rudimental five-stroke rolls in there on the snare drum in the middle of those, those uh, fours. Extended 30-second note phrases, which really, yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, man. 
Good stuff. So that's my first pick. Sneaking around from We Three, Roy, uh, Roy Haynes Trio with Phineas Newborn, Paul 16th Chambers. Notes. I don't want to get called out. 16th Notes. Sorry. Duly noted. <laughs> John, go for it. I'm going to go with uh, Live Coltrane Record. John Coltrane Live at Newport, 63. And the cool thing about this record is it's the iconic band you know and love, but Roy is playing instead of Elvin. And it's fascinating because, you know, I love Elvin, but um, Roy just comes in and really does his thing. And, it, and it's it's a it's a cool, you know, sonically, it's just cool to hear some a completely different approach. And uh, the song is My Favorite Things, which I just love three. And Roy just burns three to the ground. So um, that's that record in general, top to bottom, is cool to hear because of that exact thing. It's a great drummer in an iconic chair. And uh, I, I highly recommend you check it out. This is the track that I was referring to before we started listening to the tunes that you know what group it is, but you know from the jump that it's not Elvin. You know that it's Roy because you can hear that that snare drum, that mm -hmm. crackly snare drum right from the get-go. You can tell. So let's give a listen to it. All right. All right, here we go. No, it's Roy. There's no, there's no doubt, man. Those little triplets on the snare drum, those little left-handed triplets he mm. does in there. Woo! Immediately you know it's Roy. You know, what's interesting, too, is when you think about Elvin, man, you hear so much of his cymbal and so much of that vibe, those big, dark cymbals and all that, and this is like almost, you know, earthy drums and all that, and this is like complete opposite. Sounds you don't like hear A's. a lot of... Sounds like it might be A's. Maybe so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't hear... They're not real present... Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's just recording, man. It's just he was 
this whole like I can think of a lot of Roy stuff where the symbols aren't exactly, you know, jumping out at you. Yeah. So, pretty cool stuff. John, my next uh, pick comes from roughly the same era of Roy, but it's from another one of his records, and it's another. It's an iconic Roy record. It's uh, called "Out of the Afternoon," and the track that I picked is his nickname, Snap Crackle. And I picked it for a couple of different reasons. Um, it starts off with this super funky little drum solo, solo that he does. And then also, it's a tune that he wrote. And at the end, he goes into a solo section where he does one of my favorite things that I like to do when I play in a trio or a quartet or any kind of a jazz setting. It's whenever I solo over the form, I like it when the bass player walks time through the form. He does that. And by the way, it's worth mentioning now that the bass player on this recording is Henry Grimes. We also have Tommy Flanagan on piano and Roland Kirk playing multi-woodwinds and nose flute. (laughs) So let's listen to a little bit of Snap Crackle. We're going to listen to the intro where we also get to hear Tommy Flanagan shout Roy's name. And then we will uh, crossfade and go into that solo section with Henry Grimes walking bass. So this is Roy Haynes on Snap Crackle. You know, on a purely drum geek tip, on that solo, did you notice that when he was playing all that cool stuff, all that melodic stuff, all the way through hi-hat on two and four? Yep. He's just like, hey, man, if you're going to be walking through this thing, let's just keep time. Not bad for a young man. I like. Oh, I like it a lot, man. That's that's one of my favorite records, and it's for a variety of reasons. There's some great of course great playing on there but some great tunes on there as well and i've always liked roland kirk you know you heard even on the the melodies he was playing multiple uh instruments at the same time he's the guy if you've seen those famous pictures of him having like you know four woodwind instruments in his mouth at the same time <laughs> sound like he had at least he had at least two going on that one um all right john go on to your next one what you got man um this uh song is on the record that followed now he sings, now he sobs. Same band. And, uh, you know, Chick has some 
really great and underrated compositions on that record that really kind of the focus of it. But I, I'm such a Monk fan that I just gravitated towards one of his I did, which is Rhythming, and uh, it's just, to me, man, there's just, there's just, the thing I love about Roy is there's kind of this joy and this happiness in his playing, and uh, and Monk's tunes are the perfect vehicle for that. So it's just kind of like this great, great recording, a trio that's just gels, and then Roy's happy playing over Monk's fabulously quirky tunes. It's kind of the perfect storm. And what I did on this snippet that we're going to listen to, again, is I went and grabbed some of the eights uh, that they trade. Mm. And again, just some fantastic Roy soloing, some just great Roy vocabulary on this. And since it's in a what we would call a modern trio setting, this is one of those uh, Chick Corea ECM records where there was not that many of those that mm-hmm. he did. Uh, that of course the recording quality is crystalline and pristine. It's just perfect. So great. Yeah. So let's listen to a little bit of rhythming. hear Roy Haynes on China symbol. <laughs> it's not that often, huh? I don't even know if I know this. <laughs> oh, it's so I'm still good. I'm trying to get a handle on the first eight. It, it's so good, man. And 
this is one of those records. I used to listen to this record back when I was in undergraduate school with a bunch of dudes, you know, be sitting around listening to these records and everybody losing their mind. And there's something about that ECM recording style. It's so unique and you can hear it. If, if you're familiar with it, you can hear it. Those 80s ECM records that had a lot of ambient reverb, a lot of sound, the sound of the cymbals are just crystalline, just perfect all the way through. Everything is recorded to the nth degree of perfection. You can hear you can hear Chick if you listen closely. You can hear him doing a little bit of singing along with his own playing whenever he whenever he solos. And also the other great trio recordings that came out of that time, those Keith Jarrett standards records that were done uh, over at ECM, the studio recordings, they share almost the exact same sonic qualities. Oh, it's almost the same, you know, because they were all done within, you know, a few years of each other, but just a tremendous recording and a tremendous pick, man. It's a great callback also to the Now He Sings, Now He Sobs. Monk. I think you can leave it at that. <laughs> if you're not inspired when you're playing a monk tune, you're probably dead. Yeah. Now, for something really different, <laughs> I, I got to tell you how I came across this next record. Man, I had never heard this group before and had never heard this record until I came about this person who never really should have owned this record. <laughs> he had no business owning it, but he let me borrow it. He was like, he knew that I was a drummer and he knew that I liked jazz and he had this record. Somebody had given it to him. And the only time that I had ever heard of Roy Haynes's hip ensemble was when I had either seen it in a magazine, you know, where that's, this was, this was Roy's group. Or I used to have, I used to have that Zildjian symbol setup book. And it had Roy Haynes, and it had his band. It was called Hip Ensemble, so yeah. I knew that was it. I'd never heard any of that stuff. Never heard any of it before. And this person, this was again when I was in Memphis, said, man, you might like this. This is Roy Haynes. It's jazz. And I said, of course I'll listen to it. So he let me borrow it. <laughs> and I'm going to venture out to say that probably no one has ever really heard Roy play in this style before. And that's the reason I picked it. Uh, this group, uh, and it's from the first hip ensemble record from 1971. Uh, Roy put together a group of really young, unknown players at that time. And it was his answer to Tony Williams' Lifetime, Miles Davis's fusion group at that time. And so this is Roy's early fusion attempt, is what it is. And you're going to hear it and it's going to sound dated and it's going to have all the trappings of that early 70s stuff. But once again, you're going to hear Roy Haynes in this. And it's unmistakable. You're going to hear Roy Haynes. Some of the players that are on here, this is George Adams is on saxophone, Hannibal Peterson's playing trumpet, Merv Bronson's on bass, Carl Schroeder on electric piano, uh, Lawrence Killigan's playing congas, uh, Teru Nakamura is playing acoustic bass on this, so you get kind of a dual bass thing that's going on. So let's listen to a track from Roy Haynes's hip ensemble. This is 1971, and the name of this track is Satan's Mysterious Feeling. <laughs> Thank you. 
still sounds like Roy Haynes to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced. I bet I've played you something you'd never heard before. I've never heard that. <laughs> I think that probably 95% of our listening audience has never heard that before either. That's one of those records that I don't know that if I would have ever heard it if it hadn't been for that dude that had the record. I mean, it's I don't know anybody that's, that ever talks about that that record. This it's a it's a real kind of a hidden gem. Clearly, <laughs> you know, but it's funny, man. You listen to that and you hear that really dated early 70s sound infusion, but man, there's still that same Roy Haynes sound, that same snare drum. It, he, he takes one of those grooves that, for lack of a better term, it's like a modernized version of like the Sidewinder groove, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of a modernized to me, it's version. It's like, yeah. Junior high jazz band arrangement. It is. It is. It is. And he plays that real broken up thing. He never settles into a backbeat. Mm -mm. You know, it's this real broken up kind of a thing, but maybe just slightly the next era past the the, the Sidewinder style groove. So that's Roy Haynes. I'd like to think that someone said like, yeah, man, we're going for this Billy Cobb vibe. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure, absolutely. But just did his thing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So that is from uh, uh, his Hip Ensemble 1971 self-titled record and Satan's Mysterious Feeling. John, what you got for your next one, for your third track? My next one is, uh, I think I bought this record just because of the lineup. I saw it on the... Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it was just like, I guess I got to get that. This is that record, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that they were smart enough, whatever the label was, they just put everybody's name on the front. Right on the front. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Hence my purchase. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is when Gary, too, had a lot of exposure, um, especially with us, you know, modern drummer, and and just there was, his name was all a buzz, too, but the lineup was amazing, and um, there's a tune on there. The album's called Like Minds. Mm-hmm. And there's a tune on there I always liked called Elucidation. And uh, it's some insanely great playing from everyone, not just Roy. But again, we're a broken record. You hear a lot of Roy in Roy's playing. Yeah. Duh. It's just such a signature vibe, man. And this is is carrying on his tradition. Yeah, I ended up cutting this tune at a point where it's um, in the middle of Gary's vibe solo. Mm-hmm. But this is a Matheny tune, this elucidation mm-hmm. is. And uh, one thing I noticed about this track when I was listening to it again is another thing that Roy is such a master of. Okay, on this track, he's got Chick Corea, Pat Matheny, Gary Burton. Three legends, three guys, very distinct voices, Three guys that all play very differently. You in, you know immediately who it is when you hear each of those guys play, right? Roy plays differently behind all three of those solos. Crazy. So let's listen to a little bit of this.
that's old Flat Ride Roy there. Man, <laughs> you know, when I listen to this, and I, I know why I was attracted to it, uh, up-tempo thing, he is the king of floating, you know? When when you think about Roy, I, I don't think of him as a real macho player. Like, you know, Tony would, could just be so just, you know, he just was so strong. And, and not that Roy isn't, but Roy has this musical ability to float over, you know, time, especially up-tempo. It's like fascinating how much his touch is a part of what makes it work. And one of the things that that really does that is a hallmark of his playing when he has that light touch on those up-tempo things – forward momentum for mm-hmm. days man it's not weighted down at all yeah it's floating around and yeah man and geez gary burton yeah what a beast he retired he's down in florida now did you know that i didn't know that yeah uh, real quick you mentioned you know how he plays different behind yeah do you think that's something he discussed with them or is it just instinct oh man i think that's all roy incredible all roy all the time I mean, a lot of great drummers do that, but man, that's one of the things in particular. I always, I thought when I was listening to that recording again today, I was just like, "Wow!" And, and the, this is this is a trio or, or what would be a quintet, right? Mm-hmm. That I don't know that that quintet has e- ever really played together before. Recorded. But the thing is, Roy has played with every one of those people on their own projects, right? Of course, Chick Corea, Now I Sings, Now I Sob. My next track is from a Pat Metheny record because he, play, he played on several of Pat Metheny's recordings. Um, the uh, uh, Gary Burton, uh, he played. He was in Gary Burton's group for a little while. Man, he, did on, he was on a couple of those recordings around the same time that Bob Moses was on some of them as well. He was on some of those early 60s and some of the mid-70s Gary Burton recordings uh, on there as well. So, yeah, he... He knew those guys. He's played with them quite a bit. Again, just kind of a great testament to Roy has literally played with everybody. So my last track that I picked, I've already let the cat out of the bag, is from Pat Metheny's side from 1990. It's called Question and Answer. And the track that I picked off of this recording is the opening track, and it's an old Miles Davis tune called Solar. And this recording, Question and Answer, it's a recording that's got some... Uh, standards on it, and it's got some Pat Metheny original compositions. And I'm going to talk about one of those original compositions in a minute, but Solar is the track that I picked. It opens up with just, a, again, a prototypical eight-bar intro of just Roy Haynes all day long. And then we go into just some great playing, and then at the end of the, the tune, or close to the end of the tune, we go into trading choruses. And that's the whole reason I picked this. I want everybody to hear these choruses that he's trading with Matheny. So, without any further delay, let's listen to Solar, Pat Matheny, Dave Holland, and Roy Haynes. Thank you. 
Crazy good, man. And did you notice that that on one of those choruses that he was trading, he was doing again one of those super trademark Roy Haynes things where he's doing he's doing this little snare drum thing and then playing the hats or playing one hand on the hat, also a little light feathering underneath as part of his solo. Again, mm-hmm. just tra- trademark Roy did a great a job, especially on that first chorus. He was really playing this rhythmic and melodic thing that highlighted the melody of that tune. Just, just tremendous. And another thing, just as a side note, if you go back and you listen to this full tune, they start off this tune, play the melody, Matheny goes into his solo. For the first two, two and a half minutes, they build this tension in the rhythm section where uh, Dave Holland is playing pretty much in two. Roy Haynes is playing super broken really floaty, broken up time. And they just build, 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 right over the little, over the two minute mark. Blam! Right into straight forward. Just swing you out the door. Amazing. It is. It's absolutely amazing. And of course, always you hear that tremendous Roy Haynes sound, that that crackling snare drum, flat ride. Rubbery toms. Rubbery toms and light bass drum, man. Love it. And then lastly, uh, I want to give an honorable mention to the last tune on that record. There's a tune on there called Three Flights Up. That's a smoker. It's a really fast, super up-tempo tune. Roy sounds like a million bucks on it. And again, as a testament to his ability to play in a whole bunch of different styles and to sound as modern as anybody that's out there today. That's one of those tunes where Matheny wrote this tune that had some sensibilities of the Pat Matheny group vibe. And what I mean by that was this is, sure, it's a straight-up swing tune, but there's all kinds of, like, synclavier guitar pads that are underneath it, you know? And so it's got that real kind of uh, ethereal kind of uh, Matheny vibe, even though it's an up-tempo swing tune. So... That was Roy Haynes with Dave Holland and Pat Metheny from the Question and Answer uh, Trio Disc around 1990. John, finish us up, man. What you got? Um, I'm going to go with one of Roy's records. Yep. It's uh, called Birds of a Feather. It was a tribute to Bird, and he legitimately can make a tribute to Bird. So. 
he got a pretty good bird imitator on there too. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> uh, the song is "Now's the Time," and it's just a super cool take on it. One of the things that I noticed about I'm not real familiar with this record, mm-hmm. but one of the things that I noticed about what he did on this was it's kind of like okay, we're going to do a blues, but we're going to really like devolve the arrangement, right. <laughs> so to speak. And it's pretty much just one chord, and over a period of time, they take phrases of the melody and it's play cool. them. Over. It's really it. cool. I yeah, it. it's very cool. Let's give a listen to it. Probably worth mentioning that he was about 76 or 77 years old when this record was done. It was ridiculously hip. <laughs> and man, you really, really sonically get a great idea of his vibe and sound. Cymbals are really, you know, just well recorded. That's, that's a cool record. I, I love that deconstructed thing, man. I think Randy Hexter did that arrangement, didn't he? He, if he not, he could have. Yeah, he could have. You know, that's what I think of when I hear that. Yeah, I wonder if that was like a Roy Hargrove or Kenny Garrett thing. Randy uh, Hexter or Randy Hexter thing. Yeah. yeah, good pick, man. That's that's a good outlier there, man. That's one that I wasn't wasn't very aware of. Cool. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed our tribute to Roy. Again, living legend. We got somebody that was alive this time. <laughs> well, our last couple have been live as well, but. Got a great living legend, and uh, hope you enjoyed, again, the tracks that uh, that we picked. Again, we know that there are thousands of great recordings out there. These are just some that we wanted tens to put out Tens of there. thousands. Yeah, or tens of thousands, yeah. So feel free, of course, as always, to communicate with us. We love it when you send your uh, emails to us and say, hey, well, that was great, but how about this one, too? Absolutely, yeah. we're fine with that. We're just, not going to have a problem with you sending us Roy Haynes tracks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, all right, folks, thanks again. As always, like we said, communicate with us. You can go over to our website, drummersweeklygroovecast.com. There's everything DWG. We got every show that's there, all of our videos. You got our email contact where you can get in touch with us. You can also manage your subscriptions. You can interact with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. 
By the way, Instagram's a pain in the butt, man. I'm gonna be the first one to say it. I just keep it simple. It's it's not user friendly, man. They won't let you do anything on a computer with it. You have to do it on your phone. And if you got stuff all on your computer, you gotta email yourself and all that stuff. It's a pain in the Boo. butt. I know. But anyway, go over to drummersweeklygroovecast.com. John, we're coming up on a hundred, man. Where are we at? Ninety seven. What? <laughs> Hundred, <laughs> and that means that two years is right around the corner. Ugh. How do you put up with me that long? All right, so and let me say this: I mentioned on a few episodes back that we're coming up on a hundred. Somebody actually did email us and say, "You guys have already done a hundred. You don't realize it because they were counting like the mini episodes." Oh, right. I don't count that stuff. We're talking no, feature that's, episodes. That's for you uppity school people. You practice today. Not that. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week. We will see you every Monday with brand new episodes. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.